Tech Talk. Tech Talk. With Jess Kelly. This, this is News Talk. Tech Talk, Jess Kelly with you here on News Talk. Coming up over the next hour, I'll chat to Buy Me about the business of food shopping. Chef Nevin Maguire will talk about how his iPhone has become a vital tool in the kitchen. And Riggle will guide us through what we need to know in terms of tech before kids return to school. I'll also have a chance for you to win two smartphones from Tesco Mobile. As always, you can email the show techtalk at newstalk.com or you'll find me on Twitter at JessKellyNT. We're going to start this week with Buy Me. This is an app that you can download onto your phone, do your food shop, and somebody will do the shopping for you and bring it directly to your door. It's an app that I use on my phone pretty much every single week. Uh, I would be lost without it. But the business Buy Me has gone from strength to strength since it was first established a number of years ago. And I'm delighted to have Devin Hughes, the CEO and co-founder, back on Tech Talk. Devin, um, as I said there, you've been on quite the journey over the last number of years. For those who don't know the ins and outs of the business, can you just talk us through some of the progress that you've made since first establishing the company? Yeah, Jess, I mean, before this interview, I was just thinking about when the last time we spoke, and, and I think it was in a in a little aisle in 2018, um, when we had just launched Little, our first our first flagship enterprise grocery partner. Um, I mean, you know, I think we always saw the opportunity in the market being, you know, number like before before COVID, and um, to give context to, to people, you know, before COVID, that the, there was three fast growing channels in grocery, and they've been these have been the three growth areas for the last you know best part of a decade. And that's number one online, number two discount, number three convenience. I don't think a lot of people realize that those were the three channels uh, that, were see- that were seeing most, most activity and most growth and most opportunity pre-COVID. But of course, you know, when COVID hit in, in uh, early 2020, um, online just became this, this absolute essential channel. Um, and for us, I mean, we certainly felt that transformation. We went from, I think, being you know, a really exciting new startup um, to, to doing something that was really about saving time and giving customers back and uh, giving customers a degree of convenience to all of a sudden becoming an essential service overnight. And that was that was quite a quite a significant shift. Yeah, for those who haven't uh, come across by me yet, it's essentially an app where you can go on and you can get your shopping. I use it every week. I'm just going to say that to you now. I absolutely live and die by it. And you can get your shopping. I think I'm right in saying it's uh, Lidl, Tesco and Dunn stores. They're the, cr- the three stores that are on it at the moment. You go in and you pick the products that you want and it's not a limited range of products. You can get all kinds of everything. You can get fresh fruit and veg. You can get your bread. You can get your milk. You can get your cleaning products. The reason I live and die by it, not only is it convenient and I can kind of get it at a time that suits me, but also I don't drive. So it's so handy for me to have somebody else picking up my liters of water or my cleaning products and bring it to the door. Had you seen massive growth before COVID, like h- how long did it take for you guys to infiltrate the market and to stand out from some of the supermarkets that were already doing uh, uh, shopping delivery, that kind of thing? It's a great question. Uh, we we launched in February 2016. I, I was the very first grocery delivery person um, that worked with you know as a as a personal shopper, um, and I did in the first two years I did about 1,800 grocery orders on behalf of our earliest customers and, and early adopters. Um, I think the big the big turning point for us was early was late 2018, early 2019 when we signed our first enterprise partnership with Lidl, um, and we brought Lidl online for the first time in in Europe um, and that year. And 
as I said, the second fastest growing channel in grocery was discounters. So when you blend online with discount, you get a really great kind of um, combination that, that customers love. Um, I think for, for us in terms of you know, growth and scale, we've, we've, we've pre, pre-COVID, we were doubling the business year on year. So we were, we were already dealing with exponential growth um, because of the channels that we were operating in. And um, COVID came and, and just created an entirely different type of accelerant. Um, and you know, within I think within within the first twelve months, we we probably grew about five times um, in throughout twenty twenty because of that that demand and that 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 growth. I think you know some really interesting stats that we got recently is that four and a half percent of the Irish population have now registered as users on the BuyMe platform. And if you ask um, if you ask unprompted unprompted ask consumers about online grocery delivery, nearly fifty percent of the Irish population will mention BuyMe. Um, and so our brand all of a sudden has become really well known in, in our local markets, which is you know, incredibly exciting. In terms of um, the, the number of shoppers that you have, and again, for those who don't know, this is a case of you do your shop on the app. You can pick the time when you want it delivered. You can put in special requests or if, you know, if something's not there, they can contact you or you can opt for them to make the decision for you. How many shoppers do you have working for you now? And is it a case of they just pick up and play whenever they're available or are they full-time shoppers? Yeah, so our shop, our shoppers, we, I think we're upwards of 400 active shoppers across all of our markets, Dublin, Cork, Galway, Limerick, and Bristol in the UK. Um, and all of, our, all of our shoppers are independent by nature. They're personal shoppers. That's their role. Um, you know, one of the things that I realized very early on in starting this business was that food is a very personal thing. And one of the biggest friction points with online grocery historically was you know, short-dated items, and poor quality fresh food, uh, fresh uh, produce. Um, and so what we focused on was creating an incentive alignment between our personal shoppers and the customers. So when a personal shopper is in store, you know, shopping on behalf of a buying customer, they're shopping for that customer. They don't work for that retailer. Um, and they're in store picking products off that shelf um, like, like you would when you're in store yourself. So that creates a very different type of environment. They're not picking from dark stores. Um, there's nothing dark about, about where, 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 where Buy Me Groceries are, be, are being delivered from. Um, they're being picked in your favorite brands, your favorite retailers. How difficult was it to maintain the demand during COVID? Because as I said, I used the, the service the entire time and there were times during the pandemic at peak pandemic when everyone was in the toilet roll frenzy that it was difficult to, to get your slots. Uh, how did you find that and how did you manage it? Yeah, I mean, it was it was the, the, the first I think the first two lockdowns of, of COVID were, were really, really game changing for us because, you know, all of a sudden we found ourselves booked out a week in advance. Mm. Now that we weren't, it wasn't unique to us in that instance, Jess, as you probably know, every grocer across Ireland in the UK, uh, in fact, the traditional grocers, the dot coms um, were booked up to a month and a half in advance. Um, and so we were able to ramp our network faster than 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 traditional retailers because you know we're not building warehouses, we're not buying vans. You know our personal shoppers use their own car. They join the network. We provide training and onboarding, and then they're 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 on the network. They're able to accept orders, so we can expand capacity very quickly. I had just closed around a funding of two point two million, and um, that was led by ACT Ventures, one of Ireland's you know premier venture capital firms. Um, just before COVID hit, we had closed that in February. Um, and, and then as COVID started to hit, we realized just looking at the numbers, we became the number one food and drink app um, in Ireland, ahead of Just Eat, ahead of Deliveroo, ahead, ahead of billion dollar competitors and platforms with huge marketing budgets. We were the number one for a very long time. Um, and so we realized that our, our, our commercial and, fun, fun, and financing strategy was no longer fit for purpose. 
Um, and we, we ended up raising a, a further 5.2 million, um, 5.8 million, sorry, into the business um, later that year. And that was led by Wheat Chief, which was, is the venture arm of the Duke of Westminster's family office, uh, the Grosvenor Estate. And that's a, a 400 million pound venture, venture vehicle designed entirely to invest in sustainable food supply chain businesses. Um, and they, they came in behind us and really gave us the capital to expand. We were able to launch into Cork. We launched into our first international market in Bristol. And our goal was to bring the service to as many households as possible um, and provide access to you know, stable food delivery during a time of crisis. I mean, I have to say, it's not often where good business also feels like just the, the right thing to do. And, and we were very fortunate that you know, we, got, we got to, to really lean in. Have you any stats or indication as to how many people who maybe tried Buy Me for the first time during the pandemic are still using it now as we can kind of travel a bit around a bit more and so on? Like, will you see customers continue to be customers despite the, the restrictions lifting and people feeling a bit more comfortable going out and about? Sure. So we, we've done a huge amount of post-COVID, post-lockdown research, mm-hmm. looking at behavior patterns, not just on the binary platform, on a retailer-specific level, but also at an industry level. Um, and I might talk, because I think that'll probably give a, a slightly better view. We've, we've recently surveyed 1,000 consumers across Ireland. Um, 50% of the Irish population tried online grocery last year. Um, and a third of them will remain as, as, as a strong online customers uh, going forward. Um, and and, and, a, and a large portion, nearly 50%, will, will continue to use online, but possibly intermittently. And so what's, what's happened is that we're definitely seeing, as COVID eases off, we're seeing people go back to store, which is the natural thing. You know, brick and mortar is the primary channel for grocery. Um, and online is a, is a complementary and supportive channel to that. Um, but we, are, we did see a significant acceleration in the online channel. And it has become a more dominant channel overall. And what we saw after every lockdown as although we would see a surge of, let's say, panic users, you know, not necessarily organic and not longstanding, they would churn out of the platform, you know, after after lockdown. But we would end up at a significantly higher level of volume uh, pre 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 that lockdown. So you definitely see uh, a large portion of those customers stay in the channel um, after after experiencing it for the first time. And so that and that again kind of feeds back to pre COVID. Online was the fastest growing channel in grocery. Mm. That hasn't changed. And um, that still remains to be the case. But of course, brick and mortar is uh, and will continue to be for a very long time our, our largest our largest channel. How did the deal or the partnership with Dunn Stores come about? Because I know that that was a significant milestone. Like Dunn's is, it, it's a retailer that everybody would know. Uh, I know a lot of people would just do their weekly shop in Dunn's. I know that we have more choice than ever before, but it must have been great to kind of have that partnership come to fruition. Yeah, Dunn Stores is, I mean, it's such an iconic Irish brand. Um, and, and funnily enough, my, my dad got his very first job working for Ben Dunn Senior um, in his uh, North Earl Street store. And so for me, there was a nice, there was a nice little family connection in, in taking the Dunn Stores brand online for the very first time. You know, it was my first Irish business uh, retail partner. Um, and we've, we've been working with, with Dunn Stores as, a, as, as um, collaborators for, for many years. We've, we've we spend a lot of our time in the industry, knowledge sharing with the industry. We don't have to be partners to, to, to collaborate. We, we actively knowledge share and, and, and collaborate wherever we can. Um, and I think the opportunity to, to bring gun stores online for the first time at a national level um, was something that we were incredibly excited to do. And I think, um, I think when we did it in October last year, it was a tremendous time right before Christmas. And we've, yeah, it's, it's, it's been a tremendous success. 
Another thing I've noticed on the platform as well is there's the option to subscribe to get uh, delivery because at the moment the way it works again for those who don't know is you do your shop and all the rest you select your delivery slot and they, they're kind of priced at different price ranges depending on how quickly the turnaround is the number of drivers and so on I imagine um, is a factor as yeah. well. So what is the subscription offering? So the subscription offering is for customers who are going to be shopping primarily through uh, online on the Bonami channel to, to essentially bring the cost down. So it's um, they will pay a monthly or annual subscription, $11.99 or €99 Euros a year. And for, get the, for that, they get unlimited free deliveries on any basket over €40. Euros. So you could shop five times a week with us um, and, you, and you, you wouldn't pay a delivery fee. So that, it's for those really high-frequent users um, that want, want access to the service but want to get a little bit more value from, from the fact that they're using it so often. And the reason why that's really important, like this is not this is not a new aspect of of of, of online. And um, we've seen you know big businesses, particularly Amazon, who have championed this with their Prime service. The reason is that you know that level of frequency coming into the into the infrastructure into the network allows us to drive down um, the cost of service and ultimately make the service more cheap, uh, more cost effective for consumers in the long run. So creating that 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 membership program is a is a is a big part of of, of creating better efficiencies. As the, the business continues to grow, you've mentioned that you're expanding the markets that you're in and so on. What is the the sort of 12-month goal here? Do you have those types of targets or is everything still a little bit in flux? I know a lot of businesses are kind of loath to put any sort of pen to paper on, on, on in terms of targets and goals and so on. Yeah, I mean, it's, it certainly has been. I would say from a, from a forecasting standpoint, it's been a challenging 18 months because you know the the level of of uh, uncertainty that comes with covid lockdowns and i don't think it's i don't think we're 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 uh, i don't think this is exclusive to us i think this is a challenge for every every business in its own right and um, trying to understand what the impact of covid will have on your on your number um, is really hard but i, I suppose we we're in a, we're in a, a unique environment whereby you know we're going to be significantly up this year versus last year growth is not a problem um, and we don't we don't envisage it being a problem for for a very long time to come we are in a in a growth space um, I think for us, the primary focus is on expansion, expanding the service to new markets. You know, when we think about a market, we don't necessarily think country, we think city. Um, and, and for us, we're now active across both Ireland and the UK. There's 70 million people uh, living in those two countries. Um, and there's probably in the region of uh, 40 major towns and cities that our service can, can uh, be very successful. We initially, you know, been very honest, initially we thought there's probably about 22 cities that we could really operate in. But actually the launch of Cork uh, and, fo and followed quickly by Limerick and Galway, the performance that we've seen in those markets has been incredible. And um, we're seeing tremendous uplift, tremendous growth, you know, really healthy basket sizes um, as customers shop for their big weekly shop on the platform. Um, and what we're seeing is a really, real advantage actually to, to go to move into more, uh, what you could say is maybe tier two, tier three cities with smaller populations where actually this, 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 this platform, this offering is gonna land really well. And so that's given us uh, possibly a larger addressable market than we initially uh, anticipated. Brilliant stuff. Look, as I said, I, I'm thrilled to see your success. I'm thrilled that your product exists because <laughs> I use it and I don't know where I would be without it. And I can't wait to see what happens for you guys next. Uh, for the moment, thank you so much for your time. Oh, thanks so much, Jess. and really appreciate the, uh, the business. Coming up next, Chef Nevin McGuire will talk us through his life in tech. Tech Talk. Tech Talk. Rate and subscribe. TechTalk at Newstalk.com is the email address if you want to get in touch or you'll find me on Twitter at JessKellyNT. Uh, I started my back to school tech guide on the Pat Kenny show this week. We were looking at affordable phones for students 
I'm delighted to say that I have the two phones I reviewed on Tuesday to give away with thanks to Tesco Mobile. It's the Alcatel One and the Samsung A12, both of which are excellent phones for students in that they are durable, nice to look at, and most importantly for parents, won't break the bank. You can find out more info on the phones and the price plans from tescomobile.ie. To be in with a chance to win, simply tell me what MP stands for when we're talking about cameras. Is it A, megaprints or B, megapixels? Text the word phone plus your name to 53106 at a cost of 30 cent and you could get your hands on those two devices with thanks to Tesco Mobile. Lines close at 5pm on Wednesday, August the 11th and the winner will be announced on next week's show. Now, I am very excited to welcome Nevin Maguire to Tech Talk. Nevin, you are someone that I am a huge fan of. I often say on the Pat Kenny Show when we're reviewing any sort of foodie tech, I'm the kind of person that can't even butter bread. So I'm dying to hear if you have the same attitude towards technology that I do food or if you are a better human than I am all around. Um, Would you consider yourself a techie person? Uh, do you know technology is incredible I mean like if you'd have said to me a year ago you know Zoom I'd have said what is Zoom you know so yes and no I think it's very important and the fact that I can do Zoom cook-alongs I've done lots uh, Jess over when we were in lockdown you know cooking along I had a hundred um, Down, Down syndrome uh, kids cooking along with me and uh, I've just had some amazing experiences so am I a tech person that's probably a long-winded answer for me uh, I'm learning all the time and I listen to you I'm a big fan and I think technology is hugely important in so many aspects of our life in personal business all that and it's something that I, I I'm learning I'm learning I'm a work in progress Jess to be truthful with you. Do you enjoy the learning aspect of technology or do you get frustrated by it? Um I like I like to keep it very simple, you know, when it comes to even doing the cook-alongs, like um, I suppose good Wi-Fi is important. We're lucky that we have that where where, where I live. Um I, I I think it is very important for everyone, you know, mm. I suppose more so now than ever in the last year or two. It makes me realize how important technology is from social media to so many different aspects. And, you know, um, when, when it comes to the business, we do have an IT person that looks after, you know, and a social media person that looks after all the rest of them. But my, my own stuff is done by myself enough of them, Instagram to to uh, Twitter to, you know, to, to, I suppose, all the kind of social media platforms, Facebook too. So it's very engaging and you can bring people along with you. You can interact. And I'm a very positive person. I think that's really important message that I want to get across is that, you know, people, as you said, you can't cook, but anyone can cook in, in my eyes. And it's about just bringing them on a journey, keeping it very simple. I've learned that over the years from my cookery school um, seeing the enjoyment people get in cooking something delicious and sitting down and said I actually made that you did and you should be proud of yourself so yeah, <laughs> I think I think it's an exciting it's an exciting and there's lots of opportunities you know within I suppose technology for our business and going forward too which is exciting. Yeah I think it's really interesting how you use social media and this has kind of come across in a few of the people that I've spoken to for this segment in that I think social media kind of broadens the reach of people who can connect with you and engage with what you with what you do because you hear the name Nevin McGuire and you think, oh God, very fancy chef. And I would never, ever, ever get to go and have one of his meals or I'd never get to have a, a cooking class with him. But when you put up little tips and tricks and bits and pieces online, it, it does bridge that gap and it does make it a sort of a tighter knit community with people who may not have thought of themselves as foodies in the first place. 
Absolutely. And I'll tell you how it really opened my eyes in the last couple of years is just before the first lockdown. God, it seems like years ago, but um, before St. Patrick's Day, I put something up on social media. Would anyone like any help or inspiration with recipes? Jess, in 24 hours into the restaurant, into the into the office, we got over 400 emails. I've never got that engagement in my life. And it made me realize, wow. I'm going to do something. Okay, the restaurant's closed, but I'm going to do a recipe every day and engage with people. And it was my saving grace, mentally, physically, everything, myself and my wife, Imelda. We do simple recipes. So where I live, Jess, is five minutes from Black Lion. I live just in in, Mm -hmm. in the country and I have a little studio where I do some of my TV shows. And that's where I started doing my recipes. And they're very simple. They're very achievable. And it's um, it's all about engaging with people, as you know. So it's been it's been a wonderful journey for me to be through for which uh, but it does show I, I think cooking and food it's one message and, and, and one thing that's going to come out of lockdown more people what was the main event of the day it was your dinner you know mm-hmm. you, we all had to eat and cook and, and and enjoy food and you know when you couldn't get out obviously our business was closed and nearly for eight months but honestly every day I would have done videos and I loved it and it was just lovely uh, listening to people and engaging and they give me inspiration I'd like to know how to do this and how do you make brown bread and you know ju- ju- just simple recipes but it's been a lot of fun for me to be honest with you Jess yeah yeah it must be useful to you as well because you are getting your it's not like doing you know focus groups or it's not doing an anonymous online survey you are getting direct feedback from people you know as to what recipes they like the areas they need feedback maybe the products that they'd like to see in your next lineup of products or the next book whatever it is it must be really beneficial for you to have that direct line to people who love what you do that's a really really good point that you just said and if you were to ask me the most popular recipe that I posted over the last maybe two years it has to be the chicken curry and we got over 250,000 views on on Facebook now we were getting nowhere near that before they're huge numbers for me and that wouldn't even include my Instagram or my own personal we we post the recipes through our Macneen Facebook um, accounts that we do so absolutely I mean you get wonderful feedback you get honest feedback Mm. and if people like say with the cook where like you said you picked up some pieces and different things like that I mean like people like the Garda Crusher for example a simple piece we've sold nearly I think over 10,000 of these units which has been phenomenal and people said to me it's sold out again Nevin when is it coming back in so I'm very engaging I'm 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 honest with them if there's an issue if there's a problem let's see how we can rectify it let's help each each other I think that's really important and it's about supporting people encouraging them and giving them inspiration because we're all learning we're on this journey together Mm-hmm. in it together and uh, you know you just want people to be to, to be careful for me enjoying food and cooking at home I think that's really important as a family and just and just to just to be happy at what they're doing I think so yeah absolutely I, I completely agree um in terms of your life in tech what was your first mobile phone that you ever owned I think it was one of the um the Nokia uh, phones I mean like I probably had about maybe but I have a maybe seven or eight different phones at least in my lifetime. I have an Apple phone now. Mm. I remember my dad getting the phone. It was like a brick. It was like something you'd see on Del Boy, only fools and horses. <laughs> you know, when he was going around uh, with his mobile phone and it was changing the screens on, on TVs and that. Um, it's amazing now the way that you can record and it's so instant and yeah it's just it's yeah it's I mean I still I still struggle to get around the whole technology of phones and but I'm so used to the Apple phone like I 
yeah, I I just think they're a great they're a great they're a great piece of the air and the way like all all my videos, Jess, that I record are on my Apple phone. It's as simple as that. I put a little microphone into it, and it's done in real time. And then we upload them and post them, and just it's been it's been it's been a lot of fun to be honest with you. Yeah, it must be so freeing for you to be able to do that with a mobile phone when you think back on. Now, obviously, it's not the same, but some of the TV shows you've done over the years, for example, they'd have been big productions, a lot going on. Whereas if you can just have your iPhone, the plug in mic and your kitchen, you're kind of laughing. It's it is just incredible. And, 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 and it can be it can be like I always would kind of post maybe a video a day or every second day uh, minimum. But, you know, when we're away recording with the crew, there's five of crew, there's two cameramen, a sound man and a director and myself. And then one of my chefs would come and help when I'm actually doing the cooking. So I suppose that has given me confidence, you know, to be just relaxed, be honest and be make cooking fun. I mean, I'm not cooking recipes, Jess, that we serve in the restaurant because we have 12 to 14 chefs in our kitchen. Yeah, I'm cooking food that I eat at home that I cook at home and I've never cooked at home as much over the last year or two which is fantastic for me because our twins Connor and Lucia they're nine and they're enjoying food and I suppose they're getting into technology too which is which is really interesting seeing them develop and and I mean it can be so educational in so many ways um uh, technology and, and and that but for me it's been brilliant for my business and another thing I meant to say to you is that um, just over the last while since we've re- reopened we're getting so many cancellations Jess as busy as we are so when we post something like for example was it two weeks ago we had a party of 10 five bedrooms cancel um, on a Tuesday they were coming on the Saturday and within an hour we put the stuff up in social media the rooms were gone that's how powerful it is that's incredible for your business. Yeah, and that's something that I suppose we don't really talk about that much in terms of how vital a tool it is for a business, particularly a business like yours, where if you don't have bums in seats or people in beds, you're losing money. So it does really make a difference if you can turn that around without having to go and, you know, I don't know, run a radio ad campaign or a newspaper ad campaign, whatever it is. It's just that instantaneous self-managed getting it done. It's incredible. And the amount of people that I meet that say, oh, I watch your website or I watch, you know, your Twitter feed or or because so we have two separate accounts, Jess, the McNeen restaurant and my own. And I do my own. And then we have someone obviously that looks after social media. Claire is her name. She's been with me now for nearly 10 years. So um, like we have 58 staff employed and we, we took 50 of the original staff came back. So we have about eight new staff. We're not big, by the way. We've only 20 bedrooms. So we need to be full mm. and we need to because the demand is there Like we would have cancelled over 3,000 bookings in the last in the last say year and a half two years so that can be kind of soul destroying but so when people cancel and 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 they're very good to ring up to be truthful with you we don't get any no shows touch wood Mm -hmm. but it's um it just shows you how powerful and how instant that is and that's made me realize particularly over the last year wow how how important social media and your website is in your business just manage that keep it up to date and just people just follow it and they're looking for a cancellation or trying to get into the restaurant because people say to me oh we can never get in you certainly can i could probably get you a table for next week so there's absolutely no problem in that Mm, yeah no it's just about reaching out so that's how you use social media from the business's point of view social media as a whole like you mentioned there that that your kids are nine now how do you feel about social media and do you pay any heed to I suppose the negative aspects that we have to acknowledge do exist out there yeah I mean like sometimes I watch people on Twitter in particular and it can be quite a nasty place 
I don't engage in any of that. I'm a very positive person and I only try to see the good in people. And, you know, there's enough doom and gloom in the world at the minute. It's, it's about being nice and, 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 and kind to people. And, and that's within my nature, even in my kitchen, Jess, it, it's not, it's genuine. It's from my heart. And I just try to be myself and, you know, you encourage people and, you know, it's nice to praise people if they do a good job or whatever it is, whether it's your staff or friends, or you see something on social media, that's very clever. So, I think there's a side to it that I don't like <clears throat> when it can be quite personal and hurtful and, you know, um, keyboard warriors, isn't that the word that you would, yes, that I'd heard you say and different <laughs> things like that, that, you know, it can be a very powerful tool and it can be a very dangerous tool in, in so many ways. Um, I just try and keep it just very positive and just lighthearted, like Jess, uh, I suppose, one thing that people wouldn't have known about me that I, I used to DJ when I was very young and I I, I got my decks for my 21st birthday and then at oh. Christmas we got them revamped and I have a collection it's all dance music of nearly 3,000 records and uh, so in lockdown I had plenty of time to do the videos cooking but also to play to get them revamped and just to rediscover my love of music and people were saying wow we never knew this what's happened to Nevin <laughs> but, I, I, but I always loved it and people were just saying this is this is so so much fun and so so cool but music I think is a very powerful thing for your for your mind your body and your soul and just it's something I always I, I always loved and it's lovely I suppose for me to have time to do that so I would post on some videos and some music and on, on on my social media platforms and the engagement has been so much fun it really has yeah no that, that sounds great and one of the things over lockdown that I discovered was I love a bit of gardening now again like my cooking and I'm not great at it but it is nice when you find things that you just engage with and it takes your mind off things and you don't have to take yourself too seriously you can just kind of run with it and I do think that is lovely and um, another question from the the my life in tech conversation I suppose is is there a device that you couldn't live without and I suppose I'm wondering now is the phone that for you from what you can do from a business point of view as well as I'm sure the odd family photos and all the rest <laughs> yeah you're right Jess I, 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 have a, I have the iPhone 11 and it's uh, the plus one so it is a huge amount of storage Um as I say, we have a man in the restaurant, a gentleman, Brian Markey, he looks after our IT and that. So he sets us up because we have a kind of a, a company package for 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 our uh, staff, mm. myself and Imelda. But yeah, it's the iPhone. Definitely. I, I couldn't live without it's um, it's just made my life so much easier to be through, which if you were to say to me two years ago that I'd be doing videos and you'd get a reach of whatever thousand views, it's like doing a cookery demo and yeah. to be able to do, I, I know I'm repeating myself, but the Zoom cook-alongs in my kitchen, I'm not on the road, I'm not traveling in the car for three hours and you can have a hundred people cooking along with you. That's incredible. That's mm. just something just that I never thought of. I done two cook-alongs, yes, with the Irish Embassy in Denmark and Sweden. So, and they were for Irish people who couldn't come home during the lockdown. Yeah. So at Halloween and at Christmas, we just done a couple of nice recipes. But that's it's a very, very powerful tool. So it's given me a lot of fun, a lot of pleasure, and a lot of enjoyment. And then again, a lot of engagement. I think that's so important to engage with people and just um make it make it upbeat, I think, and fun. I think cooking should be fun and exciting. Has has much tech infiltrated your kitchen beyond the phone? Like, do you have all kinds of gizmos and gadgets flying around in your kitchen? Well, one one we have a thing called a thermomix, and oh yeah, they're over about a thousand 
yeah, they're about a thousand euro to buy. And actually, it's very interesting because I think in Sweden and maybe Australia, they're 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 in, they're used in the domestic market. When I say that, the home cook, it's not for professional chefs, but it's something that we use. We have four of them, so I have two in my cookery school, two in my main kitchen, and they just save us so much time. And they update them, so it's like a little kind of a, a chip that goes into them with all the recipes. You know, like it just saves us so much time and effort. And what it does, it saves us a lot of extra work in the kitchen so that's definitely one of the most important things then when it comes to cooking meats the actual cooking element of it we have this um it's kind of a small oven called a holdomat oven i think they're from sweden jess i think so or scandinavia but um we could put a piece of meat when we cook it we put it in the oven and then we put it into this holdomat oven and we put it at a temperature of maybe 70 75 we could leave it in there for a week and it will never overcook it's incredible so it's resting your meats meat it keeps it really simple so is it tech absolutely for me it is it's it's tech in the in in the culinary world in the cookery world and it makes our life so easy so it does anything that makes uh, cooking a bit easier i may have to investigate and do a tech talk special on all the food tech that'll just <laughs> help me in my quest to not make crap food uh, nevin it's always a pleasure to hear from you i really enjoy following you online and uh, hopefully we'll get to see you in person at some stage in the very near future uh, i hope so jess and keep up the great work i'm a big fan and love and love what you do well done jess thank you Coming up next here on Tech Talk, Rigger will tell us what we need to know in terms of back to school tech. Tech Talk. Tech Talk. Rate and subscribe. Tech Talk at Newstalk.com is the email address as ever if you want to get in touch with the show or you'll find me on Twitter at Jess Kelly NT. As I've mentioned a few times uh, on the show already, we are getting back to school ready even though it's early August, I know, uh, but I know parents up and down the country are getting themselves prepared. Uh, and I am delighted to be joined now by Sean Glynn, who's the Chief Learning Officer at Riggle, to talk through what parents need to consider when it comes to technology and the return to school. Um, Sean, you're very welcome to the show. I have been very familiar with Riggle over the last number of years, but for those who don't know, can you just tell us a little bit about what it is that you do? So Riggle, we're a, a company who specializes in supporting schools and their digital journey. You know, we work with schools closely around hardware and what they should use and how they should use it in the classroom. But more importantly, we, we, we lead with technology as a teaching tool. It's about the teaching and learning first and technology second. Really, that's what that's what differentiates us in the market. And tell me a little bit about the people involved in the organization, because I know you all have different backgrounds, but the, the core is uh, education and technology. Yeah, the core is education technology. We have a number of uh, teachers who are on staff. I'm actually a teacher myself. My background is uh, I was a teacher for 15 years in Blanchardstown, and uh, we have a number of other teachers on staff as well. And and really, when, we, when we're working with schools quite often, and from my own experience, and this is how I came to, to be aware of Regal as a company was, was from my time in the classroom, is that, you know, quite often companies would come in and say, here's the device and away you go. Uh, whereas with Regal, it's all about teaching and learning first. From the ground up, it's baked into our DNA that, you know, you, 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 you don't bring a device into the school unless everybody knows how to use it. Uh, you know, you're setting them up for success, why they're using it. Uh, for teaching learning and really to have that positive impact to help students uh, use technology and get the most out of it. So, yeah, our, our, our mantra internally in the company is, is that, you know, it's teaching, learning first and technology then is the tool to enhance that. 
we we know, I suppose, the last, uh, and everybody said it's almost cliched now, the last 18 months or so have been bonkers and technology really did uh, bridge the gap when kids couldn't get to the classroom, teachers couldn't get to the classroom and it was a, a fantastic, uh, as I said, bridge to, to, to make it all happen. But in terms of day-to-day teaching, is it very much a case-by-case, school-by-school basis in terms of how much technology they embrace, what technology they embrace? Because we've heard about iPad schools. We know that other schools are using Chromebooks. Some just don't really engage in any way, shape or form. So is, is it at the discretion of the school? It really is. You know, I mean, it is. The short answer is that some schools have embraced technology very early on, you know, even before the pandemic. And and they were the schools that saw the most success during the pandemic to be able to con- continue with the teaching and learning so that it went uninterrupted. And uh, then we've seen a lot of schools who kind of would have had, you know, some technology in the school in the form of computer labs and so on. But then they've had to ramp up really, really quickly and get to grips with technology really, really quickly over the last 18 months to to, to keep everything going. So, yes, it um, those schools that were prepared and had technology on site ready to go, whether that be in a one to one where each student had a device or in a school where technology was embedded in using a platform like Office 365 and how they do things and set assignments and so on, those schools were really well set up to succeed and keep it going uh, when the pandemic hit and when the first lockdowns hit. But we've seen a huge you know, increase in, in adoption of technology, huge amount of upskilling from the teachers. I mean, the teachers have really stepped up in terms of, you know, if they didn't have a huge amount of technology in their classroom, two years ago, 18 months ago, well, then they've done everything they can to make sure that they, they, they've been able to keep it going for their students by upskilling, training. We've done a lot of training with schools. Our, our old method of training was that we would jump in the car, drive down to a school and work with schools on how they use the technology in the classroom. But more recently in the last year, we've spun up uh, Ireland's only online uh, training platform, which is Riggle Connect for teachers. And we've had huge engagement from teachers. We've over 8,000 teachers using the platform uh, on a daily basis. And really, the, the, it's been a catalyst for change in terms of the pandemic. It's been a real, you know, it's, it's accelerated schools along that digital journey. Um, so we're, we're seeing a huge amount of teachers now engaging, uh, using technology. And uh, I, I really feel as if there's no going back now. Yeah, I, I, one thing, though, that a lot of parents have been saying to me over the last little while, though, is they're getting uh, the uniforms, they're getting the school bags, they're getting the books. And then when it comes to technology, they're not exactly sure what they should be doing if, for example, it's not school mandated that the child needs a device of their own. They're wondering, are they depriving the child by not having a device? And then in instances where it is a requirement uh, as per the school to have a device, they're looking for a bit of guidance to ensure that they're not going out and either spending money that they don't have and they don't need to spend sure. or, you know, doing something that they shouldn't be doing. I, I just think people, they have a lot of questions. Yeah, I mean, it's 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 a challenge. You know, some schools, as you said, are mandating that device and that cuts through a lot of the the, the noise in terms of, you know, it's it, it can be quite daunting to go out and try and say, what device do I choose? I think um yeah i mean look when it comes to you know uh deciding on what device to to go with i think it's important to liaise with the school most schools now have a directive that they have a, a platform that they have to use that's on the on foot of the pandemic there's been a directive now for schools to have a platform whether that be google workspace for education or office 365 or or even something like seesaw at a primary level so i think liaise with the schools find out what platform they're using and that will help inform you then on what device you might decide to use uh, because um, that's where I would start and I would definitely open that conversation up with the school 
And uh, yeah, I would I'd have that conversation with the school because you could go down the road of, look, I'm going to go for, for this tablet or I'm going to go for this laptop and then realise that it doesn't actually fit with what the school is doing on the ground. In terms of uh, security and privacy, obviously technology is great and it enables us to do so much. But rightly, a lot of parents would be concerned that if their kids are interacting on any device uh, with any platform, app, whatever it is, there may be security concerns or safety concerns. Is there a bit of advice you could give to parents who are concerned about this? Yeah, so a cornerstone of, of what we believe in Regal is that, you know, when we're bringing devices into schools and working with schools and devices, that we do it responsibly and we do it in a safe way. I think the best advice I can give to parents is to, for them to familiarize themselves with the screen time settings, the parental controls that are available on devices. For example, if you have an iPad, there are screen time settings in there. You can set parameters, you can set limits around screen time. You can even uh, filter what websites um, it can be accessed. You can filter what time spent on certain apps. So I think it's really important that you go in and, and really empower yourself to say, look, what, what are the controls that I have? How do I set them? Talk to your son or daughter about what those controls are. I think you kind of that that kind of approach. It just looks switching everything off doesn't work. I think you know you come up with good habits, good practices around the use of technology in the home. I think it's good to have that conversation. It's good to build that trust as well. I think it's really important that we you know if you're you know, practical on a practical level that if the device being used at home it's used in high traffic areas where people are always, you know, uh, walking around the house. I don't think it's encouraged that, you know, you should be um, bringing the device off into a bedroom. I think that there are lots of supports out there for parents to help them with cut through a lot of the jargon that's out there as well. So a great website would be a webwise.ie, CyberSafe Ireland have some really great resources. And more recently, we've developed um, uh, Riggle Connect Family, which is a, an online platform to help parents and to help students to use their device uh, at home and to get to grips with all the different settings that are there that can help you manage that device uh, safely and responsibly in the house. I put up on Instagram that uh, I was going to be chatting to yourselves and a number of questions came in. One from a parent who says uh, she has a 10-year-old son uh, who has autism and needs a laptop for writing in schools. Any recommendations on apps or resources to help him learn how to type? He's going into third class, so hope to have him ready by fourth. So is it just purely for, from a typing perspective? I think that it, there, there are lots of uh, typing software. There are multiple ones that schools use. I think if there's an assistive technology grant there available to them that to, to, to maybe use some of the money, not just for the device, go out and have a look at the difference, teach type, there's loads of different um, resources out there. Um, I think that sometimes typing can be seen as the, the, the go-to, but there are also other uh, um, avenues there to look like, like speech to text, which is a great one, or, or you can even have, um, you can have different input devices using the pen. So it, the, the, the short answer is that there are lots of different typing uh, uh, apps out there. Um, but the, what I would say is, is that, uh, to maybe just uh, uh, not always just to hone in on just the typing as the as the skill that you're looking to 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 um, to develop. There are other avenues there as well with that device because the reason I say that is that when it comes to state examinations and so on, when you go into secondary school, is that there are these things called reasonable accommodations for exams. And quite often the ability to type an exam isn't an option there for you right now, uh, but maybe using voice memos and using your voice or, or using a voice recorder is the option that's available to you. So that's why I'm, I'm steering you in that direction.
it's great to hear that uh, voice control technology and text to sp- uh, speech to text and all the rest is being looked at and is being embraced. Do you think we're going to see more technological um, interjections in, in education over the coming years? Absolutely. Yeah, I think, you know, it's it's near, you know, it's nearly become in a classroom now that it's a uh, you you take something like, well, take my own experience in the classroom where uh, we've often said that, like, you know, sometimes technology seems this silver bullet and that it's going to increase exam results and so on. But that's the, the wrong way to look at it. I feel I think it's more of a case of look. What tools does an iPad or a tablet or a laptop give you in the day-to-day running of a class that makes it easily accessible for the students to be able to pick up a device without even thinking about it and, you know, take a picture of the homework off the board that then when they go home, they have access to. Or, or, or maybe take something like a immersive reader in Office 365 for those students with dyslexia and they can just, without even thinking about it, scan a piece of text have it read back to them at a slower pace or at a pace that they're comfortable with. I think these tools are really going to become widespread over the next few years. And, and I think it's important that we view technology as a tool. It's not something that's going to be this silver bullet, but it's a tool. And it's something that you, you pick up when you need it. And it's great to have. You know, I've always often been asked as a teacher, I would rather have it and have it there available to me. Uh, and it's there when I need it, you know, so absolutely, I think they're going to see more widespread use of technology tools in the classroom. And I think they're just going to become second nature to the students. I think it's not something we'll even be talking about. It's like, here's the iPad. I'm going to use the camera for this. I'm going to scan this uh, and I'm going to, you know, record my voice or I'm going to record my story as opposed to maybe looking at the pen and paper. But I, I would say as well that it's really important that technology as a tool is there to enhance traditional teaching methods it's not there to replace Mm. it's not an either or conversation it's not a case of well here's the technology in with the new and out with the old it's more a case of well here's what we've been doing and how can technology add to that so to to really to see where the technology will add real value and see those interjections coming in will be that it'll be augmenting and improving what we already do in the classroom I did a report a number of years ago for the Pat Kenny show here on News Talk and I went out to a school in Kildare and I I met with a teacher who had embraced flipped learning and he'd really embraced technology right throughout his classroom. His students really embraced it as well. And I remembered some of the texts that came in uh, as a result of that report saying, you know, is it not distracting for the kids to have technology in the classroom? How can you ensure that they're not on the DOS, whether it's on, you know, Snapchat, I think was the example given back then a few years ago. I mean, what would your reaction to that be in terms of the distraction versus the educational tool that you've just spoken about? Well, I think that the, it's it's a really fair concern. I think that there are lots of tools now built into technology which can help us minimize those distractions in the classroom, classroom management perspective. So, you know, from my own side, if I'm a teacher in a classroom with iPads and I'm a class set of iPads that are that are managed, that means that I have a, a, a tool called Apple or a, the Apple Classroom, which means that I can actually manage those devices. I can see what's on every device. I can uh, shut them down for 10 minutes if we need a timeout. I would say that that that's really valuable you know those tools are there and there's more and more tools coming like that i think that there's this idea that you know kids are using devices and once they have them they're just us and they're just looking at you know the internet or looking at games in reality from my own experience nothing could be further from the truth that actually drives engagement uh, you know taking um you know the idea of minecraft okay which everybody knows is a game in my own classroom a few years ago we brought minecraft in and there were all of those concerns is it just going to be seen as a distraction is it just going to be seen as a game 
And in fact, the opposite happened. It turned into this brilliant project around the GPO, around the, uh, around the, um, the 20, uh, 1916 centenary. And we created this a virtual version of O'Connell Street with the GPO and the kids built it over time. And then they built a model of their school. And, and to be honest with you, it was, it, the kids ran with it. You know, it, we thought it might be a distraction and it was quite the opposite. And I remember all of those concerns in my own school at the time, but, um, but it didn't come to pass. It wasn't the way it worked out. The kids absolutely loved using the technology to learn. One thing that, that sort of strikes me in this vein is that, like I remember when I was in school, obviously we didn't have a computer each. We had the computer classrooms. And when we were allowed in, because it was a computer class, we were taught how to do things like PowerPoint presentations, how to type properly. And I do think how technology is presented to young people really does matter, doesn't it? If it's a tool, if it's something that you get given you know, when people just want you to sit and be quiet for a little while, of course you're going to explore and you're going to have fun with it. But when it's presented as something that you can build with and be creative with, that is going to open them up to a new way of thinking about it. Absolutely. You know, we, we even in my own time in school, it would have been the same. You go to the lab and you learn to type and you make that association in your mind that computers are for typing and that's what they're used for. Where now we're, we're, we're in this space now where technology can be like you rightly said, it's about creativity. You can take an iPad and within a very short space of time, a student can come in and instead of writing a story on a, on a page, they can act out a story. They can work in collaborative groups and come up with um, stories that they actually turn into a movie, you know, and the, it, all of a sudden the, 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 the kind of static page, the stuff that they would have written down before becomes a living, breathing thing. And, and I think that that's, that's something that's been a huge sea change over the last 10 years, probably around the advent of the, uh, uh, of the arrival of the iPad in 2010. But there's been a huge change in that technology is everywhere now. If you think about it, it's in your everyday life and uh, technology in the classroom quite often uh, uh, can be seen as like, here's our hour with the iPads. And now we're seeing a change. We're seeing a huge change in that it's actually in the classroom. You pick it up when you need it and you put it down when you're not using it. And it's it's pervasive. It's there everywhere. And it's just that tool, no more than, say, a pen or a paper. You know, you pick it up when you need it. And I think that that conversation that the iPads are just for apps or just for games or a laptop is just for typing, that's dissolved away now. And I've seen that more and more over the last 18 months when we see some great projects that we've seen in schools that they've embraced the fact that they've had to use technology in the midst of the pandemic. And instead of just, you know, maybe replacing what they would have done in the class where they, you know, deliver a lesson using the camera to the students, they're, they're creating these brilliant projects using PowerPoint, using Stream, using all of these apps that are in Office 365. And we're really moving into a space now where, you know, technology is no longer the afterthought or it's, it's, the, it's the thing we do one once a week it's actually in everything that we do well i i found this really interesting and enlightening and also heartening to hear that the attitudes towards tech in the classroom are changing and have changed dramatically over the last number of years if you do have any questions about devices platforms anything you need to know about uh, tech in the classroom and indeed at home you can email techtalk at newstalk.com and hopefully we'll have the guys from wriggle back again in the near future to answer some of those uh, but for the moment sean glenn the chief learning officer at wriggle thank you so much for your time Thanks, Jess, for having me. And that is all we have time for this week. If you missed any of the show, you can listen back in full up on Newstalk.com. But don't forget to subscribe to the podcast on the Newstalk app powered by GoLoud. John Friday's up next here on Newstalk. I'll chat to you next week.